0: they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep selling for less than what you ought to have. Well, good morning and welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with Seeds of Wisdom, Insight, Liberation, and Empowerment. We're promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming, and we are here to empower you, our listeners, to know, to being, and impacting the world around you. And as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. Several ways you can do that. The the way if you want to get your thoughts, comments, uh, have a dialogue on the air, you can do so by calling 347-237-5230. That's the number to call to get your thoughts on the air. Also, um, the chat room is open, so you can go to the blog talk page and uh, zero today and um, get in on the chat room there. You can share your thoughts there. Um, You can also go to our Facebook page, uh, Zero Network on Facebook, and you can go there and see archive shows and listen in and see how funny I sound at times. (laughs) And uh, you can follow us on Twitter. The show handle is at Zero Radio, and my personal handle is at Prophesy. So we're on there. And also uh, hit me up on email, PastorLorenzoNeal at gmail.com or Zero out day at gmail.com if you want to. Either one of those works. We're excited. We're excited. We're excited. We sound better because we got new mic. We got better mic, got better equipment. We got some other stuff we're trying to upgrade to make sure the, work, the show works. And uh, we have a quality show for you. Really, you know, we've just been lazy. <laughs> we've been lazy. But um, we're going to do better and try to have high quality production uh, to make this great that's what it should be. It should be a great show because I am a great person. I am the greatest. <laughs> yeah, No. Anyway, we thank God for it. Lord, bless this program, bless the show, and those who are listening, those who will listen to our God shows. Oh, God, we ask that you let the words of our mouth the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. Amen. Well, there's a lot to discuss today. My primary topic is um, today we'll be talking about disarming hate. Um and um addressing uh, memorials if you if you like to address that, if you like to use that word um this week, several things happened in history um that uh, have brought attention to the crisis in America. oh, sorry, I'm playing around with stuff i I was fidgeting in got the paper clip that I was fidgeting with it and threw my hand anyway, but there's a crisis that's going on in America and doesn't matter what it is. It's systemic, and it's called hate, and uh, we want to talk about that. How can we disarm hate, and how can the church be more effective, uh, a more effective voice in doing so? So that's what we're going to talk about, but before we talk about that, there's some headlines. There are some headlines. If you're not aware, the great, the one and only, the most notable preacher on the planet at the moment, Bishop T.D. Jakes, has turned 60. He celebrated his 60th birthday. And guess what? He's a Gemini, so that says a lot right there. Gemini's rule, baby. <laughs> uh he celebrated his sixtieth birthday. And um I from what I understand, he celebrated with a bang. And somebody gifted him a nice refurbished uh um uh car, Trans Am. I I saw that. I was like, man, that is a bad little car. That it's nice. Uh I think it was Fred Hammond and his brother gifted him that Remodeled, refurbished um, Trans Am. And you got to know the story behind it. You know, it's pretty interesting. And and T.D. Jakes, um, I've come to admire him. I've I've, I've admired him for a very long time. I've had the opportunity to meet him and hear him preach on a number of occasions. Um, And he's one of the few preachers, uh, black preachers in the country, who has um, broken the glass ceiling. Uh, in so many words. He's transcended the church. You know, he's he he's mainstream now. Uh he has his own television show, talk show. And I've I've watched it, you know, I don't like daytime talk shows because, you know, it is what it is, uh um, but I've I've watched him and it, it you know uh, as neither here nor there. But I celebrate him and I celebrate others like him uh because one, he is a model of what Black American, Black American can do. I mean, he 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 came from rags. To, he's a rags to riches story, and maybe that's not the proper <laughs> way to, to to say it, but he is. You know, he is a multimillionaire. That's just the reality of it. He's a best-selling author, playwright, movie producer, uh, record producer. You know, he he is. And uh, to think that he started off in a little church and Charleston, West Virginia, and, you know, Baptist church and playing as a musician, and then having been called to preach, save, sanctify, filled with the Holy Ghost, and planted in the apostolic church. He is apostolic, by the way, you know, for those who don't know, he is apostolic. He may have a mainstream audience, but he's still apostolic, and there are certain views that he won't let go of, but that ain't, that ain't for the day. That's a whole different show. <laughs> that ain't for today, but I celebrate him I celebrate him like I celebrate great other preachers uh, Dr. C. Gardner Taylor you know the dean of black preachers at the uh, uh sorus who was the pastor at the Riverside Church for a number of years and there are many many others I could name I I, I could call the role of some great great preachers Dr. Uh, Bishop John Bryan in the AME Church you know uh that's Jamal Bryan's father by the way uh uh, so many, many, many others I could name who have broken through that gra- that glass ceiling for the black church and have given us a voice that goes beyond the confines of mediocrity as well as, um, you know, a conformity. And so I, I celebrate that. I don't agree with a lot of the stuff, uh, some of the things that he's done over the years and, you know, but it is what it is you know you have to admire the fact that he is you know he he produces mega fest and i think that's going on later on this month But mega fest is pretty much the largest african-american based uh christian based uh i i don't know what to call it a festival but yeah i guess festival <laughs> uh the likes of uh s's um what is it music festival down in new orleans essence fest or what i can't recall but you have to celebrate that you know and and i'm learning i'm learning to celebrate people who are successful whether you agree with them or not because um in many ways it's still god ordained you know you may not see it as such but if we believe god orders the steps of a man um then that means he orders the steps of the man if it leads to the prosperity and things that they have um it is what it is. Uh, now, you know, there are a lot of people who will argue, well, he's just another uh, prosperity preacher and all of that stuff. And that there's some truth to that, you know. But you know, I I, I fall in that category every now and then myself. <laughs> we all want money, and if we stop lying about it and just tell the truth, <laughs> we might get more of it. But he. Uh Bishop Jakes, uh happy birthday to you, fellow Gemini. Um, you're a servant to many. And, and you know, a lot of people look up to you. So yeah, kudos. Keep getting, keep doing the work. And you gotta realize, you know, there's opportunity after <laughs> there's opportunity, there's plenty of room. God has plenty of room for us to to uh to grow and expand our ministry. Uh there's no monopoly on the ministry. There's no monopoly on the ministry. And so I celebrate that, you know. It, well, it ain't gonna change anything, you know. <laughs> but praise God from whom our blessings flow. Uh, there was another. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, oh yeah. Today is President Trump's birthday. I, I'm. Uh, he's seventy one. So he's the oldest elected. He was the oldest elected president, I believe. Um, I may be mistaken. I, I think Reagan may have him. Um, but I'm not sure about that. Anyway, um, what 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 I would say, uh, I would know I'm going to save my discussion because I, I I'm I'm jumping ahead. There's a pastor in Dallas, um, a woman pastor, Tanya. Uh, what's her name? Uh, good Lord, I just had this up. Uh, there's a pastor in Dallas who is. Uh, uh, speaking out against the side chicks, <laughs> the side chicks. Uh, Tanya Baker, Pastor Tanya Baker, um, and and she has a valid argument uh, that we've lost the respect of marriage, and I can agree with that. Um, not just because of high divorce rates or the appearance of such, but just the idea that you know a lot more people are not willing to marry they're willing to cohabitate test it out test the waters stay together for a little while break up no you know and i'm learning as i have done mediation for couples uh both married and um cohabitating I've, I've discovered that in in a lot of cases the mediation process for those couples that are living together they are not married is just and sometimes even more complicated than uh, the the ones that are married. But anyway, the side chick phenomena, I you know, um, <laughs> I could talk about this all day. Oh, uh, boy. Um I, Is there a problem with the side chick? I I it, well, yeah. Side chicks have always been around, you know. Uh it's uh, I, I guess partially because here in the states we recognize monogamy as the primary form of, of marriage, where in other places there's still some form of polygamy practice, and so the man can have a wife or two or three, um, and, and that's that's fine. You can say it's biblical because it is. You know, most of the characters that we rever in our ancient Bible, our ancient scripture, had more than one wife. You know, even after the wife died, and I know Paul says, you know, she should remain married. Jesus implies it, uh, but does not directly state it. Uh, but Paul is Paul is a little more explicit. You know, in his in his doctrine on marriage and his view on marriage and singleness for ministry. Do it for ministry's sake. Don't get married if you're a virgin. Stay a virgin if you're divorced. Don't remarry so you can focus. If if you are married. Take the occasional fast from your spouse so you can dedicate. But I wish everybody could just be like me. That's what Paul says. Um, but <laughs> and, and, you know that 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 dissonance there is crazy. But that's all again, whole different topic. Not going to go there. Um, but she makes a very compelling argument that um, we we should be putting forth more effort to hold up the banner of marriage, and I know some people uh, may, may feel some way about that, but it is what it is, you know. We believe God ordained marriage. I am unmarried. I'm divorced, and if I follow the scripture, you know, I should be fornicating, and I shouldn't remarry. If I followed, if I was, if I was very, very strict, in interpreting scripture, that that's the way it is. Unfortunately, I've broken both of those. I, well, I haven't remarried yet, but I definitely have fornicated. And can't lie about that. <laughs> but um, that's neither here nor there. But why are men and women placing themselves in this side piece uh, arena, you know, position? Do they place themselves there intentionally? I don't think so. I think most times, you know, empty promises can happen, both male and female. You know, the man promises the woman that, you know, I'm going to leave my wife and you can do this. And the woman does the same thing. But most times, you know, I'm learning human sexuality is very, very complicated and is not as black and white as we like it to be as much as I want it to be. And, you know, as a pastor, it makes it easier for me to preach that way. But that is not the reality for a lot of people. Um, And I'm, you know, when I started learning about, uh, polygamy and polyamorous, polyamorous relationships. I, w- I was like, "Oh my god!" But then I, you know, in the context of understanding, and I'm not promoting any of this. You know, you know I know a lot of people. <laughs> I came across a, a website that was for Christian swingers, and I didn't understand that. <laughs> I, I really, I was, I was okay, you know. <sighs> but again, that's a whole different conversation. Um, but. As a black church, we see the ramifications of the dissolution of the marriage institute, the institute of marriage. For example, my grandparents, 60 plus years together and, well, 60 plus years together, a different generation of the understanding of a relationship. You know, your shotgun wedding, you made the baby, you're going to be with the woman. The woman, well, man's going to be a man. Just let him be a man and as long as he come back home and don't bring you nothing. Yeah, nothing back, you know. Uh, We live in a very dangerous world now, you know, especially in the black community. Uh, Just at with a forum with the NAACP and the Black Church HIV initiative, and unfortunately, you know, in the South, in urban communities in the South, you know, we got a lot of side pieces, you know, and bothers in both orientations. All orientations rather um and the reality is it's too dangerous uh being a side piece and how should the church address that i I'll, I'll talk about that, but I think we do need to address that um <laughs> but um it is what it is, you know um uh but it, side piece. she got her national she got a little for for talking about it. But, you know, it's a real issue that we should address. And, and um, how we go about doing it, I don't know. How bad of a problem it is, I believe it to be uh, a bad one. But, you know, it's going to happen whether we like it or not. I, mean, I don't know. There are probably plenty of preachers that got side chicks, not just a side chick or side piece, but side pieces, you know, preachers, you know, side pieces. Um, anyway, so... I just thought I'd share that those two stories that I um, I found interesting, really, really interesting. But the big news that I really want to really get, want to get into, and I haven't talked about politics in a long time, uh, I really haven't. But this has been interesting this this week. You've had two major testimonies um, in the Capitol with uh, former FBI director uh, Comey and. On the other day with current attorney general uh, sessions, but it boils down to two things, one thing: who is telling the truth and who is telling a lie. Now uh, it, it, you know what 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 today is Trump's birthday, so you know, happy birthday, President Trump. Um, but here's my issue with President Trump, and I, I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth. You know, I, I'm not a supporter. Uh, uh, I share uh, conservative views. Um, I, I, you can consider me center right politically, but the reality is um, we do not have a president who has integrity in the office right now. I, I that hey, I said it. I support uh, the idea of the presidency. I pray for President Trump regularly. But I believe, honestly, that we have a person in there who has – or who comes across as not having personal or professional integrity. Uh, he's probably used – in uh, again, this is speculation. I don't own the man, so – but he comes across as one who is used to getting his way, and he's going to get his way however he gets his way. If he has to manipulate others to do so, he would. If he doesn't have to manipulate others, he won't. If he has to come across as a good guy, loving guy who is willing to go to a black church in Detroit and look like I worship God with all the other people, he will. If he looks, if he has to go to. <laughs> oh, Lord, did I just say that I did. Um, Now, 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 I'm going to be honest with you. I, 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 I believe honestly believe that there are persons both in the media and in politics you know political positions who want to see him fail and they want him out and there are you know uh if you watch mainstream media which he calls fake news but if you watch you know they they've been following stories that (laughs) really we should not need i won't say we should not know about usually back in the day we would not have known you know, there are a lot of leaks that are going on, but uh, they're so anxious to try to bring him down. And you saw this happen during the campaign where they did attack after attack after attack, uh, and he himself aided and abetted in some of those, providing the necessary instruments to attack. And yet he was elected in spite of that. And now, since he's been in office, you know, this is uh, – I think the only presidency that I can think of uh, was Clinton that came as close as this, you know, because right after Clinton got elected, that was immediately launched the Whitewater sketch, uh, um, investigation, which eventually, years later, <laughs> nearly a decade later, led to his impeachment. And so, you know, this right now may not directly impact Trump, but if it if it has the same effect. It follows the, the the pattern of Clinton's presidency. We may see something along those lines. We may not. I pray daily for repentance in this, uh, in the capital city. That those you know people will fall on knees and repent. And um, um, with the with Comey, everyone was identifying him as a man of integrity. You know he. he dots every T, dots every I, crosses every T, and, you know, he's highly respected, and, you know, he's not the liar, and then he comes and says he was, you know, how he interpreted the the interaction between him and President Trump and how he took that and, and rolled with it, and then you have President Trump and his lawyer saying, well, he's a liar, and, you know, and this is why I say he doesn't have integrity, you know, You don't do that as the president of the United States, the most powerful uh, person in the world, Uh, the leader of the free world, as it's become known. And you're so petty. I don't see how he has time to be tweeting all the stuff he tweets and the pettiness that he puts out there (laughs) in his tweets and, and other things like that. And I think this is the backlash that some of those, some of us, who believe Trump can do a great job if he actually, you know, got out of himself, he could do what needs to be done. And, and of course, you know, they they were talking about the um, the uh, cabinet meeting where everyone was praising him and complimenting him on his how he looked on television, how he sounded, how all of that stuff, and how proud they were to be a part of the, the government. And and that's good, and that, and that's well. You know, it's too early to determine if he's done anything. It's only been four months, five months, six. We're in June, <laughs> almost six months, and um, there is no direct evidence of accomplishments in six months. So you know, I hold my praise for two years, three years, four years. Then I'll say, "Man, you did a good job." But nonetheless, when you have someone in authority, in positions of authority politically, and they're they're going. And they're agitating each other, which is basically how our political system has come, fueled by the media. Where at, ag- you know, they're basically just agitating. Who's gonna, who's gonna have the most fiery soundbite against the other one? Who's going to do this against the other one? Who's going to get power in the next time, the next term? You know, things like that. And as we see right now, nothing's getting done. Now with, with Jeff Sessions, you know, I. Have, I, I don't know about him, but you know, the really uh, the reality is, um, in an effort to prove that he is trying to be uh, come across as a man of integrity, um, you know, he he tried to be honest and said there is no collusion, but the the, the issue about collusion is irrelevant to the the real uh the real problem the problem is that there is little to no integrity in the leader so even if there was evidence of collusion it's the leader's responsibility to have integrity and say yes there may be Yes, we did have some type of contact. Yes, such and such did so, and we, because we want to be people of integrity, uh, president of integrity, leaders of integrity in the party and in the country, we will take care of this action. You know, we're going to dismiss this person. We're going to, do, you know, but you're firing people and you're dismissing people because you don't want it to come back to you, and that's how that's how it comes across. Maybe a mistake, but it's how it comes across. I didn't, I did not intend to rant go on a rant this long about that but it really speaks to uh, the heart of the issue regarding the church voice and the um, what we really need to be addressing as preachers regarding not just our political system but our own personal integrity if we have examples like this in our leadership politically what is it like outside what is it like in our church what are we promoting? How are we empowering people to walk in integrity, even if that integrity costs costs them something? So it is what it is. Look, I'm gonna take a break real quick, and um, when I come back from this break, then get into the topic of the day. The topic of the day is disarming hate. How can the church, how can the church and its voice contribute to be empowering in this effort to to uh, get rid of hate crimes. That's what I want to know. So be back right after this. <music> We've seen almost everything, so we know how to cover almost anything, even mermuts. And we covered it February 3rd, 2016. Talk to farmers. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Farmers, we've seen almost everything, so we know how to cover almost anything, even mermuts. And we covered it, February 3rd, 2016. Talk to farmers. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are farmers. At first, I thought it was just the stress of moving. Hey, it was using that? Think we own stock in the electric company? I will turn this car around right now. There's nobody back there. I was becoming my father. <clears throat> it's been an adjustment, but we're making it work. You know, Progressive.com makes it easy for us to get the right home insurance. Progressive can't protect you from becoming your parents, but we can protect your home and auto. Let me ask you a question. Are you right now without any type of legal advice, or you search for good legal advice, you have issues like how you're going to draft a will or a trust, or you may need simple legal advice? You know, I'm part of an organization that can help you out, with it. it's called Legal Shield. And um, Legal Shield is a cooperative effort, it's a, it's a means of helping you help yourself. And they have quality quality law firms and uh they have plans for individuals, businesses, um, all of it. And and basically, you know, it's it's a means for you to to get the best legal representation and legal advice that you can. And um and it's like hiring a, a lawyer without all the expensive one. And I recommend it because I'm a customer of it. I'm a member of it. I I pay my dues, and you know I think it's a good man for you. And you ought to look into it. Uh, go to LegalShield.com and look around on the website. You're learning a little, little bit more about it, what it does, what you can get, how competitive it is. I guarantee you know you'll find something that works for you, and you'll get the service that you need, at a timely man in a timely manner. I'm I, you know. I have no complaints about it. So go check them out. Legal Shield. Find your local representative, and I'm telling you, if you're in D.C. area, they got some great people up there. If you're in the Mississippi area, they got some great people. Wherever you are in the country, there's a Legal Shield rep for you that can help you out. So go check them out. That's LegalShield.com. All right, welcome back again, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. You're listening to Zero Today with me. I appreciate you. I, I thank you for listening to that little rant <laughs> in the first segment. But anyway, um, again, if you, uh, you miss shows from back in the day, you can always go to uh, uh, Zero Network on Facebook. You can catch our archive shows there. Go to the Zero page on Block Talk Radio and you listen to archive shows. You see some of the favorite shows that we have highlighted there. And also, you know, hit us upon all, all our social media. We'll be expanding more soon, so you have more opportunities to engage with myself and uh, help make this show uh, a great show. Anyway, so we're going to get into the topic of the day, and the topic of the day is called disarm hate, how the church can reduce the voices of hate. Explain what I mean by disarm hate. Um, disarm hate is a campaign put on by several organizations, but two that I'm a part of moms demand action for gun sense and every time for gun safety, uh, which I am a survivor fellow with that network there. And, um, it's been going on for a while, but, um, primarily took up, uh, came to national prominence last year. Uh, as you realize last year or maybe was a day or two ago last year, um, this, this, this in June last year, um, um, there was a there was a massacre at Pulse nightclub in Orlando, Florida, and of course that is a gay nightclub, and uh, nearly 49 people, I believe, 49 or 50 people were killed because uh, one person who happened to be a Muslim American, who also happened to have some type of orientation issues, uh, sexual orientation issues, and he carried out this violent attack. On innocent victims, and I've met some of the victims and their families, and and recent and and some time ago, and it's just it's tragic. But um, this was one of the um, uh, social media blast disarm hate, and you know you had the rainbow color, which is the rainbow, which is the symbol of the uh, L G B T Q I A and whatever letter I may have missed out uh but that's their symbol um uh, and so uh this became you know is doing this month is recognized as pride month, gay pride month um I, it is what it is, but anyway, so um this hate became a battle cry, I guess you can say, following this massacre, and also um on the seventeenth of this month, we were recognized and memorialize um, the massacre at Emmanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina, where my friend and several others were killed. Uh, nine, nine people were killed because of a young man, whose name I will not call, um, decided to carry out an act of violence because of race. And um, it's incidents like this that we, we must... Be vigilant about let me give you some facts here real quick. Um, there are nearly eight thousand uh hate crimes committed a year, eight thousand um some by gun violence, others do acts of bullying, some through um uh, you know whatever it may be but there there it happens every day. it happens in every community. it does not matter. What, you know, if it's high income, low income, urban, rural, it's happening. There are persons who are being, uh, have crimes committed against, hate crimes committed against them because of their color, their orientation, uh, their religious affiliation. Uh, you know, there have been Jews, there have been attacks at Jewish uh, synagogues, Sikh temples, uh, uh, black churches. And uh, of course, you talk about uh, probably more notably is because of the uh, what's the Matthew Act? I can't think of his name right now. Oh, man, I can pull it up. Why am, why am I making it so hard? <laughs> I can pull it up. I can Google. <laughs> the more notable one is the hate crimes knows hate crime, notice, hate crime uh, legislation um, that. Was brought through. uh, I'm going to find it. But uh, think about that. Think about it now. Just about 8,000. Hate crimes a year. And a lot of them involve guns. uh, You know. And violent. Um, But. It. We have to. We have to. We have to uh, to address We have to be serious about this. Now, I'm a gun violence survivor, uh, two-time gun violence survivor, and I tell my story. I've been learning to share my story more frequently now because I'm a survivor with every town for uh, gun safety. And um, what, what I've come to realize as a church, we don't address it enough. There are two things that we don't address in the church. That's sex, and that's violence. We don't address them in the church. Sex and violence, and then when you combine those two, and it becomes domestic violence. <laughs> you know, it, 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 we we we're quiet, and and when it comes to hate crime, we're even more quiet. Unless it's against a person for the black church, unless it's a black person, we're not going to talk about it. If it's a person that's transgender, talk about it. If it's a person that's of another religious faith, we're not going to talk about it. And, and what hurt me is that, for example, last year after the Paul shooting, there was a pastor who basically said he wished everybody in there had died. And, of course, that pastor has since been arrested and jailed for molestation of children (laughs) or something to that doesn't matter Um, as, as a church we have the most powerful vehicle of change our voice evangelize to get people into the church because we want our churches to grow we want our churches to thrive and and we feel good. We pat ourselves on the back when somebody comes and joins the church. Um. But then, for the most part, we do not put and engage the very people we want to come in. We make them conform to an identity they may not like and they may not need. And 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 there's you know there's a place you know there's, there's church etiquette and there's church you know look conformity to a degree, but we have, the, we have the means of seriously changing how people react to different people, to people who are different from them. We have the means of empowering and engaging persons to say, look, we're all humans first. We have diverse expressions of our humanity. And they're not all the same. We have people who have gender identity and gender orientation issues that are not the same as ours, you know. I identify as a straight black man, you know. But there are men who will consider themselves straight but may be attracted to other men occasionally. I don't even know how to de- identify as. They're down low brothers. And there was an incident... Not long ago, with a man anyway, so as a church, particularly as the black church, we have to stop being afraid of these taboo things, because when when black life, when the Black Lives Matter movement came to the forefront of American thought, it was because we saw visually the injustice against those black persons. Sandra Bland, Trevon Martin, we can call the name, we can call the role. We saw the injustice against them. But we don't do the same if there's a black person who's identifies as same loving, same gender loving. We we won't do it. Because that is not a reflection of who we are or supposed to be as a church, when really it is, you know, it could be. The Bible doesn't say if there was uh, homosexuals following Jesus. It doesn't say that. Doesn't say. <laughs> doesn't say that Jesus pointed out to the person and said that you are homosexual and you need to be delivered. doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't touch on same gender-loving persons the way we believe it does. And that's a whole different argument there. And I know some probably would probably argue me now for the Matthew guy. Uh, but he was a gay student who was killed um, in in the '90s, and they passed the hate law. You know, I think the hate crime law is named for him. But there's there's others that's there others legislation has gone, come, and been proposed. Some has passed, some has not passed. But anyway, I just I digress. So, unfortunately, now more particularly since uh, President Trump has come into office. There are persons who are feeling more emboldened to do hateful things. They are more emboldened to talk racially, you know, assert aggressively, racially. They are more emboldened to talk and carry out crimes against persons of color, persons of uh, Muslims in particular. There's an incident earlier this year in February where two uh, Indian American uh, aviation engineers. engineers. Um, there was a white person, apparently. He wanted to know what if they were immigrants. He wanted to know what country they are from. And he was dismissed from wherever they were. And he came back with a gun and just killed them. Killed at least one person. Shot. He shot three, but I believe only one died. Uh, I may be mistaken. I, y'all can fact check me on that. But he did. The, it was basically... Uh, It was just racially motivated. And, oh, let me bring this more. This morning, just this morning, there was a hate crime that happened. And it just so happened to happen in our capital city. It just so happened to happen to persons who are in the halls of power. Congressperson, Scalise, I'm very familiar with him and his family. He represents my home state. He gets shot. And the people that, the person who, who, Carried out the crime, the suspect – and by the way, he was apprehended. <laughs> he was apprehended. The, 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 the older witnesses, uh, one witness in particular, one congressperson said that the, the gunman came up to him and said what was going on, asked what was going on, and then asked, well, who is uh, – what party? Are they Democrats or Republicans? And when he found out it was Republicans, went and got his weapon and opened fire. That's hate crime. It was politically motivated, but it's a hate crime nonetheless. I wonder how to, to that um, <laughs> and again, the gunman was apprehended. He wasn't killed. He had a weapon and wasn't killed. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, he had a weapon and still wasn't killed. Well anyway. So the the church we have the means of radically changing others who are different from them how do we do it we do it by demonstrating and carrying out the gospel message we do it by following the commands of jesus the command of jesus is to love your neighbor as it will first the 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 Decalogue in its entirety can be summed up in this. The Ten Commandments in their entirety can be summed up in this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first one. That's the great commandment. But the second one is just like that. It is it's essentially the same as the first one. Love your neighbor as yourself. Your neighbor doesn't necessarily look like you. Your neighbor doesn't necessarily behave like you. Your neighbor doesn't necessarily uh, uh, worship like you. But they are still your neighbor. When Jesus was approached by a lawyer and was asked the question, question well, well, then who is my neighbor? He tells the story of the Good Samaritan, what we know of now as the Good Samaritan. There was a Samaritan. There was a man who was traveling down the road. He gets beat by robbers and is left for dead. A priest comes by, sees him. What does the priest do? Walk on the other side because the priest can't get near anything unclean. Uh, 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 What is it, a Levite, a Pharisee, or somebody else walks by and does the same thing? But it's the least of the person. The Samaritan who takes the person up, takes his own funds to put him in care. And then Jesus said, "Ask the question. Well, who, who, who did favorably?" And the man says, "Well, the one who took care of him." He said, "Well, go and do likewise." And I'm sorry if I'm doing a very, very bad paraphrase, you know, of that story. <laughs> I, I try to be a, a theologian every now and then. <laughs> I am an academic, and uh, at least I, 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 I think myself to be an academic. Um, But the reality is this: the reality is that until we embrace the fact that we are human and different, and that even in the church, even in the church, if we're going to say, use this this um, argument that we are different as humans, then the argument we should supplement that is that in the church we have different giftings and Paul writes you know we are one body with many members if you go through and read first Corinthians 12 we are one body with member with different members functioning for the same purpose and you know he goes through that the head and the eye and all that stuff and um, uh, and the difference a function should not inhibit the function of the body and and a sub argument i would use to that is that the difference of our humanity within the church within the functioning of the body should not in- hind- should not hinder the functioning of the body what does that mean we should just let everybody in well first of all we don't let anybody in. Christ does. Christ is the head of the church. All we do is open the doors. I said something right there. Christ is the head of the church. All we do is open the doors. Now, uh, we, it's not our responsibility to be selective. We can't determine who who is saved because salvation is subjective. My, my salvific experience is not the same as yours. You know, I knew I was saved when I was a little boy. I didn't have any big experience. I, you know, I didn't have a come to Jesus moment. I just heard the gospel message preached and when I heard it, I realized enough of it to understand it and I gave myself and I committed and became a disciple. I accepted the invitation to discipleship. You know, some people have, you know, they have to go through hell and back before they become a disciple of Christ before they get saved. Some do it on their deathbed. It doesn't matter. Uh, that's that's not our pr- that's not a, that's not the issue here. The issue here is that when we are saved, when we are when we do become belie- believers in Christ, disciples of Christ, how should that be uh carried out? How should people know? And by Jesus said they would know that you are my disciples by your love. And love is an action and not just a belief. love should not be selective, although we are you know we can we, we're selective on how we love and we're selective on who we love. and if God did that to us, well we'd all be in trouble. What am I saying? What am I saying? If the voice of the church was to address the intensity of the matter of hate. In the body, in the land, we'd see something great. We can't allow, and the Southern Baptist Convention right now is addressing this. They're trying to figure out how do we how do we in, incorporate this into our identity as evangelical white Christians. When we have evangelical white Christians carrying out acts of aggression against people of color and of other religions. Another thing, when Christ tells us to show love and be love and say that we love God and who we have not seen yet hate our brother who we see. Mm. We have the means of doing it. If we're going to be true to scripture, we have to. There is no room. You cannot say that you are a follower of Christ, that you are a disciple of Christ, that you are a baptized person into the body of Christ and hate and carry out crimes of hate, even if it's, I mean, and I'm not talking about. Yes, those are violent crimes that people carry out with the guns and with the bullying. But think about just think about how simple sometimes your acts of hate can be. You know that it's called microaggressions now, and <laughs> and unfortunately, sometimes the microaggressions carried a greater weight than the great the macroaggressions. The macroaggressions that's what grabs the the headlines, you know. Uh, like the shootings in Orlando and the shootings in South Carolina and any other violence that's happened, um, those that's mic macro M A C R O that's the big that's the big thing everybody can see. But it's the small things that don't we don't see that tend to dwell in the hearts of man. You gotta understand. Scripture says clearly that the heart of man is to see for above all things. Who can know it? Only God can. We think we're one way. We think we're not racist. We think we're not homophobic. We think we're not biggest. We think we're not that because we go to church, because we have that one black friend, because we have that one person who may be questioning their sexual identity. We think that. But the reality, if we don't address those who don't care and hate, then we are only in creating the environment for such hate to thrive and and, and then kind of overflow into everything else. I believe, I believe, I believe this is an opportunity for the church in the 21st century right now. I believe this is an opportunity for the church to be vocal and active and engaging hate, not just white superior, uh, you know, The the hate of white superiority, not just the hate of homophobia, not just the hate of of Islam, but all and micro. We can do it. We should do it. God is for the oppressed. He is the God of the oppressed. And we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And we should be more engaging in the world. We should speak out against the social injustice of hate. Not just when it's carried out by police persons against black unarmed individuals. We should do it all the time. It's not going to hurt me as a pastor to speak out against persons uh, who are saying anti homophobic, you know, homophobic, homophobic things. It's not going to hurt me. It's going to show that I actually can be sympathetic toward the cause. I ain't got to agree, but that's who says I love God and I love as a shepherd, under-shepherd of his people, that's what my, I'm, you know, I'm not a hireling. I, I'm i not supposed to let sheep get eaten by wolf, wolves. I'm not supposed to let sheep, let wolves get to the gate. I'm not a hireling. But we have a lot of them out there. We have a lot of them out there. Listen, I, I, I'm running out of time, so let me tell you how you can join this. If you really, really want to change and you really want to give your voice to disarming hate, there are two things you can do. The first thing you can do is get on the phone, write, call your local, your state legislator, call your city leg- your city council person, your state legislator, and your congressperson, your senator and Your congressperson and get on the phone with them and tell them, say, if there's legislation on the docket, if there's legislation that is addressing it, support it, co-sponsor it. That's what you ought to do first in the political thing. And if there isn't, write it. Tell them that. Get on the phone. Send the email, you know. You know, you don't want to over. We don't want to over legislate, but we want to make sure that when we do legislation, that it is proactive legislation and not reactive legislation. So that's one thing you can do. The second thing, I just want you to get involved with Moms Demand Action. I want you to get involved with uh, every town, and you can do that by simply getting a phone and texting six four four three three. Text join. Text help. <laughs> text disarm, and you'll find a way that you can help and join the message and get the message out to a broader audience. They have the means of doing so. I'm telling you, I'm glad about that. That's my plug <laughs> uh, for for uh, for that. But I, I'm passionate about it. And not just because a lot of crime crimes committed by gun, uh, are those, you know, uh, of gun violence, but because we can do something. And as a pastor, you know, I'm committed to empowering and, and uh, you know, doing it from the pulpit. I'm not just gonna say in private, but I'm gonna say it from the pulpit. We gotta talk about it. We gotta pray about it. We gotta speak about it. And we have to tell the people to be vocal and active and engaged about it so we can see the change that we want. That's what we gotta do. That's what happened in civil rights. That's what we do now. It is a civil rights issue. And yes, more persons who happen to be affected by it <laughs> you know are, are, you know fall under that category, but you know, it is what it is. So thank you for joining me. Listen, I'm so excited. I'm so excited about every time I get to do, uh, do the show, and I really appreciate those of you who listen, whether you send me an email or not. But I know you're listening. Whether you like the page or not, I know you're listening. <laughs> and if you're listening, if you like it, I want you to support it. Uh, you can uh, go to PayPal. You can find me on PayPal. You can support any donation that you give. helps me. Carry out this, you know, make it better. I, I, I'm really trying to make it better. So you can go to Pastor Lorenzo Neal at com, and you can send your donations there. Um, and you can do that. Also, go visit my website, Lorenzo T com. And I haven't updated it in a bit. I got to update it, but yeah, hey, go buy my book. If you hadn't gotten a copy of my book, A Breaching the Family, go get that. You can purchase that on Amazon, blah, blah, blah. blah. Giving all my little plugs out, but thank you. I got to get out of here. Um, it's a long day, long week. But, hey, it's it's worth living, <laughs> and I'm glad about it. So we're going to get out of here, and, again, hopefully next week we'll be back, same time, same channel, and uh, you can tune in. But till then, this is Pastor Lorenzo Neal, and I am out. God bless you. God keep you.